I am Simone Cipriani and I am an officer of the United Nations. And I'm Claire Press and I'm a sustainable fashion journalist. You are listening to the Ethical Fashion Podcast. We can change the world. Welcome back to the Ethical Fashion Podcast and our series all about African creativity, art, fashion and entrepreneurship. In this episode, we have a guest host, and he is the Nigerian writer and journalist Ayodeji Rutinwa. He's in conversation with the renowned Ethiopian art expert and gallerist Masai Halalul. They'll be talking about contemporary art, how the art scene and the market for Ethiopian art and African art in general is growing and everybody's watching. They unpack that, the way that Western galleries and dealers and art buyers are now looking more to Africa for talent and next big things than ever before. And they talk about what's driving that, but also what's holding it back and how are the prices for these artworks that are suddenly more popular and where are the opportunities. They also talk about Masai's fascinating background, and he's so interesting talking about how he's seen the scene develop. Seen the scene. <laughs> anyway, this episode is a fascinating insight into art and culture in Addis Ababa and across the continent. Hello, everyone. My name is Ayodeja Rotingwa. I am joining you from Abuja, Nigeria, as your guest host for this week's podcast. I am the Deputy Editor of African Arguments, a Pan-African platform for news, investigation and analysis across the African continent. I also regularly cover culture and the visual arts industry, particularly in the West African region. And I've been published doing this in the Financial Times, the Art Newspaper, Art Forum, where I typically center African artists in ongoing global conversations of contemporary art. Today, I'm very happy to be talking about the African art scene with a renowned Ethiopian self-taught art historian and gallerist, Nisai Halilu. Nasai is one of the co-founders of leading contemporary art gallery Addis Fine Art with his partner, Rakeb Sile, which is based and has operations in Addis Ababa and London. Addis Fine Arts was founded in 2016 and has been bringing Ethiopian artists to the wider global art consciousness over the past five years, has been a mainstay in the evolution of contemporary art from Africa. Masai, however, has been in the art scene for much longer, for the last over 25 years, operating a gallery in Los Angeles in the U.S., and bringing African artists to those markets as early as the 2000s, when it was not fashionable to do so. Of course, we have not seen a huge turnaround in the perception of African artists and how they are collected, how they are coveted, how they're making statements with their work across the world. And today we're here to discuss how and why this is happening. Welcome, Masai. Well, uh, it's my pleasure and uh, thank you for inviting me to join you on this podcast. And uh, I look forward to spend this time with you chatting about a very important subject. Fantastic. Ready to dive straight in. So before we go any deeper, one thing I want us to quickly unpack in this interview was what is the term quote-unquote, African arts, especially for listeners who don't understand the context, who heard it used, but don't quite get how it came to be. Now, I ask this question because, according to my understanding, African arts, this categorization sort of came from the outside. It was a way to brand a new category of works that were being introduced to the Western arts markets. It doesn't always, I find, sort of encapsulates the length and breadth of different art movements, artists across this great continent. Sometimes it's, it's so much of a simple generalization. Um, but I'm curious to know what your definition of African arts is. And if you find this sort of broad 
categorization even useful for your own work? Frankly, I find, you know, this term a bit problematic, to be honest with you, because for the longest, uh, when you go back to the time of colonization, it was such an easy way to describe any from uh, the black continent, as they used to call it you mm-hmm. know, back in the days. They consider crafts and masks and whatnot to kind of generally put everything in one lap. And um, I find that, you know, to be honest with you, a very simplistic and um, complete misrepresentation of what is actually being produced by artists from the continent or, you know, from the diaspora, African artists who migrated, you know, to the West. So African art is, to me, is a very dynamic expression by artists from the continent. And um, it reflects, you know, primarily on the culture, the history, the people, and also the present moment and their daily activities using multiple mediums. It could be paintings, it could be photography, it could be sculptures and whatnot. So, you know, finally we're able to kind of present a full range of, of, of works so that we are not just, you know, put in a box. And uh, that has been evolving, you know, for the last seven, eight, nine, ten years. And uh, and it's a good beginning, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And speaking about beginnings, um, you personally got into this, into the art industry in the early 2000s, long before, quote-unquote again, African art sort of had this reach in the world. Just tell us how you came to be involved in this industry like, and just give us a bit of the, your background history when it comes to the African art scene in Ethiopia specifically. Yeah, I actually, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Ethiopia and finished high school here. And um, back in, you know, 1974 is when I decided, you know, to go to the U.S. for higher education. And, uh, and part of the reason was, you know, we had a revolution when I was here knocking on the door. So I had to leave. Uh, and I spent another 18 years, you know, before I went back to Ethiopia. So my first time going back was 92. Prior to that, I, I'll be honest with you, my my exposure to arts, you know, from especially from Ethiopia was somewhat limited, you know, because I'd left when I was pretty young. So I went back again, 96 is when I was introduced, you know, to this incredible burgeoning arts scene in Addis by a friend of mine. You know, he's like, look, you come here, why don't you just, you know, spend more time, you know, with Ethiopian artists and see their works. So for me, it was kind of exciting. It wasn't something that I, I really wanted to do before I came back. But thereafter, it became a passion. I used to come every year. I used to spend 90% of my time with Ethiopian artists. So I used to you know, I started learning about the history and the artists, you know, some of them were still active at the moment. And um, that led to early 2000, where a lot of the artists were asking me, you know, look, you know, you, you're doing this. We're grateful that you're buying from us, but, you know, we want more. We want to show our works and is there any way you can help us with that? So all that was new to me, to be honest with you. I had, I had to teach myself a lot of things. And, uh, and I said, okay, you know what? Before I delve into this as a business, I said, 
you know, let me do pop-ups, you know, before anybody thought of them. So I used to do pop-ups in Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Auckland and what's not, because I used to live in the U.S. And, and I knew where majority of the Ethiopians used to live. So it made kind of sense initially to target uh, my own people to share this incredible works by these artists. So that went on, you know, for three, four, maybe five years. And then finally, I just said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to open a gallery. And I opened my, my gallery in Los Angeles in 2005. I was in an area where there were already four African-American galleries who were working with these incredible young talent. So we kind of created this little community on a block of street. It was like three, four of us. So from there, it just went on, you know, for the next uh, three, four years, I believe. And in the time that the gallery ran, what was kind of, what kind of perception or reception did you receive from either, you know, Ethiopians in diaspora, from African-Americans, from just like America, just then the markets in general? For the non-Ethiopians, we were a curiosity. They were quite surprised by the kind of talent that actually, you know, lived and worked in Ethiopia. And when they were seeing their work, it was like, okay, you know, so who are they? You know, we don't know them. Uh, We like what we see. And for collectors, it was a bit of a challenge, you know, to buy and start collecting simply because, you know, at the time, arts from the continent or artists, you know, who started living in the U.S., you know, didn't have the the chance of showing their works and it hasn't been written about, they're not engaged by institutions. So it was challenging, but at least the business did survive uh, until things economically uh, were depressed in the U.S. around 2008. So that pretty much uh, ended the first attempt. What was the local Ethiopian art scene like at the time, this, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, like critically and commercially? What were collectors interested in? What kind of work were artists making? What kind of institutions underpinned the scene? Late, you know, 1990s and early 2000s, um, it wasn't really very common, you know, for Ethiopian well-to-do or those who had some some kind of exposure with art to be even seriously thinking of collecting uh, from you know the artist locally it was mostly you know look somebody's buying three four paintings they follow that i mean the art scene at the time and the kind of works that were being produced were basically you know uh, works that artists were hoping would appeal to tourists and um, Ethiopians who love to see landscapes and uh, works that related especially with the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. So you'll see a lot of these paintings that kind of spoke to that. And um, those particular artists, you know, were selling, they were doing fine. They were able to support themselves. And um, that went on, you know, for a period of time. The artists that were producing, you know, very critical works, you know, unfortunately, at the time, you know, there weren't enough galleries here to embrace them, or there weren't others, you know, who came to the country and scouted and s- tried to see if if there were particular artists, you know, that can break into the uh, European market or the U.S. market. So it was extremely challenging for a number of years. 
And beyond Ethiopia, for you, what what was your impression of the African art scene at large? Like, what would you say were some of the highlights of like the scene at that time, the same time as this was happening in Ethiopia? Do you think this this was a trend that carried on like in other countries as well? Uh, it was more or less similar, but you know, you have to understand, Ethiopia was never really colonized by outside powers, especially the Europeans. So we were a bit of a at, a at a disadvantage simply because the culture of appreciating art, art schools, and the culture of collecting was, you know, definitely less than what you would have seen in Lagos or or Ghana or especially Southern Africa, even our neighbors, you know, Kenya and whatnot. So we were kind of isolated. Ethiopian artists really didn't get a lot of chance to travel even, you know, through, you know, inside the continent, let alone have their works, you know, shown institutions, you know, in Europe and uh, in America. So there was that limitation. I mean, there were things happening, but in all honesty, it wasn't enough. And add to that, the novelty of African art was not even fully engaged by the international art market until, you know, what, eight years ago. So we all went through very challenging periods, but I think our sisters and brothers, you know, the other part of the continent, you know, I I think were doing a little bit better than us, simply because the, the connection, if you go to the Francophone countries, you know, they have this link, you know, to France and Belgium, and for that reason, you felt their presence when you went to these galleries, you know, European institutions. Mm-hmm. And the same, you know, for the Brits. So, whereas Ethiopia was really, I mean, I can say, I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, we're bragging, but we're the first gallery ever in the history of this country to fully engage the outside world, the art fairs and the market for the first time. And this leads me to my next question. So fast forward almost two decades of this time that we're talking about, African artists are no longer as obscure as they used to be globally. In fact, even now, they are highly sought after. You know, it's been a sort of a 180 ton of events from status quo. In your opinion, what changed? Like, why is there so much interest internationally in art by African artists from the continent right now? Uh, I think basically the um, global art market recognized the value in these works. These works now that are engaging this wider audience internationally were very powerful. You know, these are very significant works that you can no longer just ignore. So institutions, Mm -hmm. collectors, um, curators, writers, auction houses, they all joined in the praise. I think it was a bit late, but at the end of the day, you know, it's the art that speaks for itself. And, uh, And I think slowly but surely, what I mentioned earlier, you know, all these parts of this community now understand and respect what is coming out of the continent. Do you think this amplified sort of hyper interest suddenly in the last decade or so in art by African artists and diaspora 
is always a good thing, critically, commercially? I, I think so. Now, when we are recognized for, for our creativity and appreciated for you know, what is being produced, uh, it's definitely a plus. We are saying, look, you know, we need to be at the table. We need to be there. You need to recognize this and respect this because the work, you know, merits that. So, you know, for that reason, it's overdue as far as I'm concerned, to be honest with you. And uh, to be where we are today, uh, it's it's been an effort of a lot of people who have contributed, you know, to the development and growth. Mm-hmm. And okay, so in 2016, you decided to set up your, a new gallery, second time around, um, with your partner, Rakib in Addis and in London. Did the changing perception of art by African artists play into this decision? Did it inspire you to say, oh, yes, I'm going to do this a second time. I've done this in Los Angeles. I'm going to try this again in Addis and in London. Well, to be honest with you, a lot of the credit goes to um, Rakim. For me to embark on this journey uh, again, it was not something that I planned on. I was actually, I had taken a sabbatical, you know, uh, when, when we met. Uh, she came to Los Angeles uh, looking for me because she, she knew that um, I was the one that was really involved with the arts from Ethiopia. So, you know, we meet and we spend time together. And, um, you know, she's obviously much younger than me. And uh, she has a business background and, and, and very ambitious. And uh, it was it was like, hey, you know, there's, there's, there's something about to happen and um, we need to be a part of this. So I consented, you know, to join her in this, in this uh, amazing journey. And in your opinion, what's... A ripple effect has this sort of outsized global interest in African art had on local scenes on the continent? For instance, in Addis, what has changed? The good thing is that artists can actually work in Ethiopia and make a living. Yes, it's very small, but there's also a new local collector is emerging. You know, we're trying to, as much as we can, you know, support this, try to find ways that those who have the means can engage artists and be able to not only just connect for themselves, but also, you know, support these young artists. So, you know, all these are good things. Yes, I mean, at least when you look at Addis and compare it, you know, compare the art scene in, in Lagos, where I've been in Cape Town or Joburg or, or Accra, you know, we still, we're still behind. But to address some of the challenges, you know, that we face here in Ethiopia, we have partners now that want to help us set up a foundation here, and our foundation that can offer a helping hand. You know, we can talk about the art school at the um, Addis Ababa School of Fine Art. It's part of the uh, university system, and it's one of the great art schools on the continent. It's been around, I think, since 1955-56. And Yet at the same time, you know, they have a lot of needs. They need to be supported. They need to be helped. There's a lot of things that, you know, they need. So, you know, we want to use this foundation to facilitate some help there, maybe start uh, residency programs, you know, bring artists, you know, say from the western part of the continent to add decent, send ours, you know, to other places. So these are 
small steps, but necessary steps. We need to build on this. And that has been um, one of the important contributions that we can do as a gallery here. And speaking about art education, do you find that artists are, you know, depending on uh, these local art schools in Ethiopia, are they looking abroad to develop their competencies and their skills, expand their interests? What is the art education sort of infrastructure like in Ethiopia? Unfortunately, you know, it's not that great because, like I told you earlier, we we don't grow up in Ethiopia appreciating the arts. You know, there are very, very, very few schools that even offer art classes in Ethiopia. I mean, I know it's crazy. It's 110 million people who live here, but but that's just the reality. So it's going to take some time, um, unfortunately. But there are things, you know, that the artists on the, by themselves, you know, who have managed to kind of create a community here. You know, there's, there's a lot of support among themselves. You know, they try to open up their own their own gallery spaces, so find spaces that is conducive to what they want to do. So it's evolving, but I think we have a long ways to go, to be honest with you. It's, it's very challenged. And and I understand, I mean, you know, governments have priorities. You know, they, they want to build the schools first. They want to build the roads first. They want to build the dams first. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier, like the artists back, way back then when you were you know, working in the scene, were sort of creating work that sort of maybe appealed to tourists or they were sort of, let's say, you know, for lack of a better phrase, creating for the vanity of a would-be collector. What has changed now? What, what kind of narratives or kind of critical work are artists making in Addis these days? Um, there's obviously quite a vast range of works that's that's being produced there's artists that are very comfortable making works that can set i mean i'm going to be blunt about it it's just that it's a matter of survival so they want to sell to people who come to the country or or the expat community so these works visually they appeal to these types of collectors, you know, simply because, you know, they can buy something that speaks about Ethiopia, whether it's the landscape or, you know, the beautiful people of Ethiopia. Like I said earlier, anything uh, related with, with the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. So, you know, they need the money. They they do that. And mm. then you have others that are young and the fact that now, you know, there's this really connection to the outside world, you know, because now you have the internet that's allowing a lot of artists, you know, to engage, you know, what's going on outside of the country. So they are inspired by a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, similar styles, you know, similar uh, techniques and what's not, because the exposure has allowed them to be very creative. And that's a good thing. That's really what, you know, we like to see here. There are also very young creatives, you know, in, in Addis now that really want to do things that can take them, you know, to the next level, which is, look, I can actually go outside of Ethiopia and be able to show my work through a gallery and be able to really share my my passion. And at the same time, if I make money, then great. You know, that's the kind of attitude that they have. And those are the kind of artists that, you know, obviously we we find very attractive. 
speaking of engaging the world, so in the well, in the past, I've sort of this is a trend I've seen developing. In the past five years, I've seen like a cluster of African galleries, address inclusive, who have set up outposts in Western Aswad centers in London, in Los Angeles, in New York, in Amsterdam, where they're sort of, you know, going to where I suppose where the market is or sort of playing in those um, spaces. And I think this counts like Ghana, um, Ghana's Gallery 957 has one in, in London. Addis, you, uh, you guys have one in London. Nigeria's Relay Gallery in Los Angeles. South Africa's Goodman has one in London as well. Ivory Coast's Gallery Cecil Fakuri, one in Paris. Stevenson has an office in Amsterdam. For you, why is this international outpost crucial? Why is this necessary? Well, we obviously chose London for several reasons. One, Rakib and her family, they live there. And it's also the epicenter of, you know, what we do. London does have, uh, besides us, other galleries that are representing artists, you know, from the continent. London has a magnificent fair called 154, which have done quite um, admirable work for the last, you know, I don't know, seven, eight years. They have now replicated the same thing in New York. They're also in uh, in uh, Morocco. So us picking London uh, was not a, uh, a difficult decision. It was either London or Los Angeles, where I had some experience. But we chose London, you know, for some of the reasons I, I told you. I We feel like, you know, London and uh, UK, you know, the European, you know, market is a little bit ahead of the US market when it comes to appreciating art by African artists. So, the timing was right, uh, and you know we opened five months after we opened the gallery here in Addis, and uh, that was 2016. So there's a lot going on there. So it made it made perfect sense. Mm. And what are the economics of this sort of international expansion? I'm always curious when I hear like a gallery has opened uh, a new. Office of Outposts in a Western capital, are African artists able to command similar prices and visibility as contemporaries from other parts of the world, in your experience? You mean countries that are non-African countries? Yeah, and unfortunately, the honest truth is, you know, they don't command uh, similar prices and they don't command the, the same amount of visibility. And that's just the way it is right now. But, you know, the good thing is things are happening. Things are evolving. There's this energy that all of us that are involved in this, that, that feel. It's not only just that this fine art. There's many galleries from this continent that are eyeing what's going on. And we are, I think, on the verge of really pushing this to the next level. And we are hoping our artists will like you said, command, you know, similar prices as non-Africans. And yes, it's going to take a lot of work, but we we see the trend. We see that collectors are now, especially the savvy ones, you know, they recognize values in these works. And frankly, we and, and them, you know, we feel like uh, these are undervalued artworks. And 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 I think it's a matter of time before everybody else is going to catch up. Just to stay on that a little bit, what do you think has to change for 
for African artists to start commanding similar prices since clearly we've established that the talents, the ambition, the competence, uh, the vision is the same um, as any, as the same level as any artists, you know, elsewhere in the world. Is it the collectors that sort of have to, is it that more collectors have to sort of, sort of see this sort of talent or more people have to buy into this sort of story or something else? I'm just, you know, curious about that. I think at this moment, obviously, non-Africans are collecting, by and large, these works. And, you know, there's many reasons for that. However, however, I think, you know, what you're seeing today in Lagos or Accra or Nairobi or Joburg, there's a local collector culture that's evolving. It's now willing to purchase these works, even though by local standards, you know, they're considered to be very, very expensive. But I think, you know, when they're watching all the activities going on internationally, I think more and more Africans are actually saying, look, we should buy, you know, we should keep some of these works here. And that's the other positive outcome out of this. You know, every country is not the same, but, you know, there are countries where might not be the right term, but there's an elite that that's also interested in in, in the arts and, and and wanting to buy. So we feel like if we build on this, I think uh, eventually you know, our wish and hope is not to just only depend on what's uh, being offered to us from the outside of the continent. We want actually African Geno to really buy and to collect and. and and preserve these works. You know, we can't just be exporting our culture and have nothing at the end. Yes, we got paid for it, but uh, unlike the past, but but some of it has it has to stay here. Hmm. Hmm. And I think you met, you spoke you spoke on this earlier about what kind of artists are you artists by now interested in sort of bringing to this national scene. I think you mentioned about you talked about how you're interested in young and ambitious artists. Are you focusing more on new artists or are you also bringing in sort of more established modern artists or is it for you a balance of both? Um, honestly, it's, it's both. It has to be both. We are lucky in many ways because we are really the only ones, you know, who's functioning like a proper gallery, meaning that, you know, we have a space here, we have a space in London, and uh, and we engage a lot of uh, international audience through these big outfits. So we take works to New York, we go to the Armory, we go to Freeze, you know, we go to uh, 154, there are fairs in Miami that we go to. You know, we come to your own country, Nigeria, we come to Lagos, and uh, until COVID, you know, mm-hmm. we We've done a lot of things. So the kind of audience that we want to engage requires us to actually have works of artists from the older artists, you know, the modernists, you know, who are well-recognized in their own countries, but who are also doing works that that can appeal to, say, an audience in Lagos or an audience in in, uh, London. And um, we also like young, passionate and driven artists, you know, when you look at our roster, it's quite a range. And now we also are in the process of engaging a lot of artists that are not just from Ethiopia. We want to, you know, represent the region 
the horn. So we are we have started working with artists from Sudan, Eritrea. We are also looking forward to you know maybe find people, you know, artists in Somalia and whatnot. So we are really growing in a way that is at times, you know, me and Rakeb, you know, we look at ourselves and it's like how did this happen? You know, it's because <laughs> things are moving so fast. Quickly, yes. Can you, can you share with us who some of these artists are, their names, what kind of work that they do? Yeah, we, you know, what we call, you know, these modernist Ethiopian artists, we have Tadessa Masfan, you know, who's a mentor to probably 95% of all these young uh, Ethiopian artists that we work with because he was a teacher at the art school for at least 34 years. He was a very generous man and he inspired a lot of a lot of you know Ethiopian artists that you find today not only just here in Ethiopia but all over the world. Uh Lusa Garata is same age. These two guys are like in their late 60s and uh, not only did, did they go to school here in Ethiopia but they also went to school in Russia to do their MFA. So they came back and um, contributed a lot uh, for Ethiopian art and Ethiopian artists. In the middle, you know, we have guys that are, you know, around 40s, mid-40s, uh, Addis Gazai, Mary Koko. We also have, you know, a lot of young artists uh, here, Tizita Brown, who's, who's doing really well, uh, Salome. We have photographers that are, you know, very young, still in their 20s, Girma and uh, Jerusalem, Jeremiah. So our artists, you know, frankly, are now all over the world because we have artists now, you know, quite a few of them in Germany. These are artists who've been working there for a number of years, probably in their 40s, Tasfaya Urgesa and Germacho, he's another Ethiopian artist who's really being looked at, you know, critically. He also lives in in, uh, Germany. We have an artist in in Belgium, (laughs) We also have an artist who was born in Ethiopia, but her parents were uh, what they call Beta Israel. Uh, these are Ethiopian Jews who left, you know, late in the 80s. And um, she grew up in Israel and she's working with us. Her name is Narit. And um, quite a delight. But we also have artists now, you know, who grew up in America, like Tariq Ushifara, Helena Matasa, Matafaria. Today. So we're, you know, we're all over. And the beauty of this is, you know, these are Ethiopian artists who have multiple voice. You know, they have a lot of different issues and stories that they, they want to share. So in many ways, to be kind of like the only one to do this, uh, we are blessed. Mm. And something you mentioned and I've, in a previous interview with uh, Rakeb, she mentioned this as well, that is a history in sort of Ethiopian art history where some of the modernists studied in Russia. Um, can you just speak a bit about that as, as like how that came to be? Yeah, well, that's one of the uh, old communist bloc outcomes. I don't know if you remember, you're probably young, but uh, in the 70s and 80s, I was not born then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of African countries were, were uh, going through a lot of turmoil, and the same was happening here in Ethiopia. We were pretty much aligned with the um, communist bloc, uh, either China or the Soviet Union. So 
in the 70s uh, and uh, starting, you know, late 70s and on to at least until 1991, the presence of Russians in Ethiopia was quite significant because they were supporting Ethiopia uh, with its military conflicts with our neighbors. So naturally, there were some Ethiopian artists who had the chance to learn in the Soviet Union. And uh, some of them went to uh, an academy called Repin in, uh, in Leningrad, like Lusak Gerd, he went there, Tardis Amasvil went there. And, you know, they came back with quite a different experience than artists, you know, that went to the West. So these are initially artists that were doing these monumental works kind of like glorifying, you know, the revolution and whatnot. So that was part of our history, our legacy. So a lot of these artists, you know, evolved and uh, they started doing works that kind of brought out the Ethiopian history, the Ethiopian culture, the Ethiopian religion. So they were very, very influential. Mm. And you, Addis Finance recently shared on a social media, I think I'll, I'll quote the, the caption, says recent initiatives across Africa have provided greater public access to historical artworks than ever before. But how might a renewed engagement with the art of the past be shaping the way contemporary art is made and viewed? If you had to answer that question yourself... <laughs> What do you think? What do you think is a you know straight line between these what you describe? Well, it definitely has allowed young artists to reflect. They can go back now and um, you know look at works from uh, artists that were very prominent in the seventies, eighties, nineties. And um, I don't mean to turn this into a political thing, but recently here in Addis, the PM uh, helped build um, a gallery in a park. It's a, it's a massive space. And um, primarily they collected a lot of works from the art school, uh, works that were done by all the Ethiopian artists. And for a lot of young artists to see such a collection in, in, in a space, uh, in one space, uh, was quite enlightening. These are, you know, works you know, I personally think should be museums, maybe not all of them, but what some of them are, are part of our art history. So, yeah, I mean, it's exciting to see young artists to be excited about the artists that they've grown up admiring. So I see a very a bright future. There's a lot of positive things, you know, that will come out of this when you look at the trends and when you look at, you know, the market, it needs to be nurtured. You know, this is like a little baby that's trying to grow up and uh, and mature and find its way in this world. And, and unfortunately, I mean, I can give you crazy examples here in Ethiopia. I mean, we have about 110 million people in this country with all the talent that we have. You cannot today go to an art supply store and buy the things that you need as a creative to exercise your passion. Not even one single art supply store exists in Ethiopia. What will maintain this and provide the continuity is really building the culture base here, the culture of collecting. That has to 
grow. And also, my concern is when you look at a lot of African governments, you know, by and large, you know, the the support that they provide, you know, for the arts, it's obviously it's very limited because they obviously focus on they need to build, you know, schools, they need to build hospitals, they need to build the roads. So that mm. takes away so much from uh, providing, you know, the funds and uh, the technical support it takes to really develop the art scenes in, in these countries. So I'm hoping that things will change, but I see the challenges. We need three, four, five galleries in Addis to support the needs that we have here. There's incredible talent here, but you know you can't just help this grow only with Addis Fine Art. You need more. You got to make this uh, worthy for others to come and uh, be a part of this because what eventually it will contribute economically you know, for the country is immense. The art mm. business today around the world is what over sixty billion dollars. So we need a we need to share a bit of that pie. Slice of the <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you very very much, Mr. This was a very illuminating conversation. I've learned a lot from just even just speaking to you. Um, I've enjoyed this. Thank you, everyone, for your time. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. I imagine this would be a great resource for our listeners. Thank you for listening, my friends. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at ethicalfashioninitiative.org and we are on Instagram at ethicalfashion. And don't forget to share the episode with your friends and with colleagues and with anyone you think would benefit from it. We love it when you tell other people. I'm going to say that again. Can you help spread the word and share our story with your friends on social media? Our mission is to work towards sustainable development and create long-term impact in the communities where we operate. Through extensive training and mentorship, we build capacity and enable artisans to produce for the international market. Through this program, workers are empowered and can lift themselves out of poverty. Not charity, just work.